Hi, this is Micah Holscher, and you're listening to the Nashville Soul Music Podcast. Hi, this is the Nashville Soul Music Podcast. I'm Cowboy Keith, your host, and today we're talking to Micah, uh, a great and respected piano and keyboardist here in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome. Hey, Keith. What's going on? We're talking to you. All right. Let's start, as I always do, at the beginning. Where were you born? Uh, the University of Washington Hospital in Seattle, Washington. So you were born in Seattle. Were you raised in Seattle? Yes, I was. A Seattle suburb or in no, Seattle in, proper? No, in, in, in Seattle in a neighborhood called Ravenna. So you were raised in Ravenna. You went to grammar school, high school, all of the above there? Uh, actually, I went uh, to grade school, middle school in a suburb called Bellevue uh, across Lake Washington. And uh, then I went to high school in Seattle proper. All right, and now you graduated high school. Did you go on to college? Did you start working right away? I did not graduate from high school. Oh I uh, I ended up going to London when I would have been a junior to study music and then left school there um, as I was sort of mentally transitioning out of classical music and uh, went back to Seattle and got my GED. All right, so you got your GED. Did you then go to college? I went to, I had a scholarship to North Seattle Community College, which actually has a, a great music program or had a great music program that was run by um, my still good friend, Fred Radke, who's the uh, trumpeter and, and leader of the Harry James Orchestra now. All right. Did you finish your schooling at that? Uh, no, I, I started playing in a, in a band um, with guys that were older than me and had a job and sort of the music... I, I knew I was going to be a musician from a very, very early age, and I had had so much sort of training and education and sort of restraint and control put around me that I think I was just ready to chart my own path at that point. So you had a lot of pressure on you to perform to the level people expected of you, and then you chose a different path? Is is that what I gather? Yeah. Were you being courted and moved into a classical path? Yeah, I studied classical music for 13 years, yeah. Do you still enjoy and play classical music on your own? I play at home. Sometimes I'll get the Bach bug and, and fail at trying to play uh, some <laughs> stuff out of the well-tempered clavier, but I love classical music, absolutely. You know. It's... Okay, so you, you, uh, you beat the Bach bug, and you moved on to what was your first foray into uh, popular music or, or, you know, let's call it non-classical music what was the first band that you joined what type of music was that was it well, a pop band was no it was a roots band um you know i had it, i had sort of already taught myself a lot about jazz and and just as a note the high school i went to in seattle garfield has an incredible classical and jazz program and and uh, quincy jones went to high school there as well did uh, Jimi hendrix but um so you know I was introduced to some jazz through high school there when I was 17, um, and I, I played in that band for 10 years, and it was right around the time, about 90, end of 97, when the whole swingers thing and the, 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 the swing thing was hitting with Trey Pop and Daddies and, and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and, all the, and Squirrel Nut Zippers, all those bands, and we were a roots band. We played original music, but we borrowed from everything from surf to swing to old 50s Chuck Berry rock and roll and R&B to rockabilly to traditional country and we kind of created a, a sound based around that and our singer played played trumpet quite an entertainer um, so being in that band 
all those influences that Billy Joe Hules, who's who's still a leader of that band, used to bring into that to that fold got me into listening to who wanting to find out who all these artists were that were influencing what we were doing and I kind of got the in general just the roots music bug and started collecting records and and now, led me in a lot of different directions. When you're saying roots music, you're talking about American roots music. American right? roots music. Yes. Yes. The basis and foundation of the American popular music starting in jazz and expanding into country. Starting in jazz and that's a yeah, I mean there's it covers so much ground in, in, in even in a sense it covers ground it is American but there's also a lot of international influences in that as well. No, but, I remember in the mid '90s touring with Elvez, the Mexican Elvis. Sure, we did shows with him, back in and the day. also with uh, BR five four nine later, where the Dusty Forty Fives were often opening acts. And I yep. remember Billy Joel lighting his trumpet on yes, fire. Yes, yes, a power trick that was always a hit, and still is a hit, and still is a hit. And Billy, they they're doing great, and Billy is one of my best friends, absolutely, and and helped me get into all that stuff. So I can't be more grateful to him now seattle has a thriving music scene yeah and you were certainly a big part of it mm-hmm. why did you come to nashville why did you leave the northwest music mecca and travel down to nashville was it to follow the roots music that you were interested in or was it a was it work or did you make a pit stop on the way well um seattle's got a great music scene but it's also a very satellite city type of thing and i you know i just didn't want to be stagnant there it was easy to, it was easy to be a musician there I lived a very good life and I had a lot of work and I played piano you know in a very nice restaurant and had some great gigs but uh it just didn't feel like the end all so I decided to move to Los Angeles in 2007 end of 2007 um lived there for about two and a half years uh people that are incredibly talented at creating pop music and slick music that I think is good for top 40 radio and that type of thing and immensely talented people that do that but being a fan of Roots music I took a trip out to Nashville to visit somebody I had met uh, uh, out there at the beginning of 2010 I came here and within two days I just like I've got to move to Nashville I was actually staying in Inglewood um, and a month later I had everything in my car and moved out here and uh, it's it's great it's been very rewarding for you. i love it i've been so challenged and just like met so many amazing musicians i get to play with so many amazing musicians and there's just a real sense of community here that i think in a positive way that other places don't have now your parents obviously listen to music and were fostering you with music at a young age to send you to london to study what was their musical taste and how did their musical taste influence you well uh, it, honestly, I, I was fairly sheltered, you know, they had some pop records, stuff that they listened to back in the sixties. They, they met in Berkeley back in the day. Um, you know, so they had some Beatles and Santana and Elvis and whatnot. I remember the first time I listened to Elvis's golden records when I was seven. I already been playing piano for a few years. That, that is a mo- that was the moment when I heard, I think it was I think it was Don't Be Cruel and it was Shorty Long played on those records that were recorded on, on, in New York on RCA and that was the first time I heard that boogie woogie rhythm on the piano. Now they, uh, they were recorded in New York and not Camden. Uh, that session that yeah yeah it was recorded and they they brought Shorty Shorty would come in in between Broadway gigs for the session that's what I heard. Wow. 
But that's the first time I heard Boogie Woogie with the left hand, and I was seven, and I was like, I had the bug. I had the bug immediately. Um, but my parents generally, you know, it was a lot of classical music and a lot of, um, and, and some jazz as well. But uh, in a lot, a lot of ways, my tastes were informed. We, we, I didn't have a television for many years, and so I listened to a lot of oldies radio in my room. And this is back in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, and oldies radio meant it was everything. It was awesome. Uh, it was Buddy Holly. It was Richie Valens. It was the Stones, the Beatles, the Animals. Um, Basically everything I play with Heath Haynes and the High Dollars, you know, Chuck Berry. So that really informed the Drifters, you know, that informed a lot, uh, you know, informed a lot of things. And my older sister, one of my older sisters also was pretty dang hip and used to send me mixtapes in the early 90s or just tapes of albums. So like I was like 12 and she was sending me like Wilco and Pavement, Sunvolt and all that early kind of the replacements, the kind of that stuff. So... I got some cool influences from my sister, Laura, as well. Now, I had a friend named Big Bob Andriano. Big Bob was <laughs> a great guy and an incredible guitar player. Almost had the job with Lenny Kravitz. But Bob had a broad and interesting taste in music, and he really, I credit him in my life as the guy who shaped a lot of my early taste in music. Did you, had a, uh, did you have a friend, a friend that shaped your taste and... and, and uh, because it doesn't sound like your parents had a direct influence on your current taste. Was it was it Billy Joe? Was it someone? I mean, Billy that? definitely at the time. I would say my sister Laura really like all those. When I just found some of those tapes of my dad's, I mean, you know, she gave me my first Hank Williams tape too. You know, and Hazel Atkins, uh, Charlie Feathers, and then to the replacements and and like I said, you know, stuff like that. I mean, she, that was important. Um, but Billy. Definitely, just you know, he he turned me on to a a ton of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he turned me on to so much it's like George Jones and and Lou Rawls, and I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Herb Albert, you know. Having met him myself, I can say that he has a true and honest enthusiasm for music. Yes, yeah, it does. And that's that certainly transfers into. To other people wanting to be a part of that enthusiasm that he has, I did have a couple of other mentors. Like when I was still like a, a late teenager, when I was playing with them, because we toured down Southern California, I had the opportunity to record with the Paladins um, when I was, was about 1999, I think. Um, and they were, and so I actually hung out with Dave Gonzalez down at his place a couple of times for like a week. And I remember the first time Dave played me. The Nightlife record by Ray Price, and it was one of those watershed moments of like hearing pedal steel in a completely different way, and that pushed me. And the guy that they were recording with, Mark Neal, who is still a good friend of mine, who's a Grammy-winning producer now, uh, did the, that Black Keys Brothers record. I worked with him on a couple other things, but I used to call him from Seattle all the time. We talk for hours, and we talk about Nashville stuff. He's such an old-school dude as far as who and what he knows about every great recording, you know, King Records, RCA, you know, Nashville, uh, Memphis, Stacks, Muscle Shoals, New York, all that, all kinds of stuff. But we would talk for hours. He would tell me all the names of the musicians that played on these records, the session note stuff. And he, like, was just a freaking library of information. I know? think every musician that I talk to over the years, uh, we are, I think our reading habits stray less to the classics and more to liner notes. 
Yeah. We want to know <laughs> who's on it, who played, who recorded it, where was it recorded, how did they get that sound, how old were those guys, were they young guys, were they old guys? Yeah. I mean, I get so many conversations with musicians, and what they want to talk about is, hey, you know who played on that? It's certainly a big part of finding where you fit in and your musical taste is discovering what who is part of the music that you love, and that's cool. And I, all right, so let's talk about, uh, you're in Nashville, and... Uh, what was your what was your moment thing in Nashville? What was your first job in Nashville? You were like, wow, this is where I'm supposed to be because this opportunity would have never came to me anywhere else. The first gig I got that was that was the Wanda Jackson gig with Heath Haynes and the High Dollars right after Jack White put the put the record out on her that he produced and 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 she was doing some pretty you know pretty big gigs at that time and. It was great. I mean, it was, and that definitely would have never had happened anywhere else. And it was just like a great opportunity to play some great shows and really play, you know, Wanda's music showcases boogie woogie piano. Big Al Downing was her pianist for years. And Meryl Moore played on the records out in LA that she did uh, in the late 50s. And that is straight up, you know, boogie woogie piano that I think needs to be tried to played with some authenticity and and the fact to be able to to be able to do that and with her and she's such an amazing artist and woman and, and um puts on such a great show to be able to be a part of that was it was just great it was a really great opportunity it was so much fun you played on the alabama shakes debut record how did, yes. how did that transpire? How did you get involved with that? They were recording um, at Bomb Shelter Studios, which uh, is owned and run by my very good friend, Andrea Tokic, who's produced amazing records there and um, who gets me in to play on, on a lot of stuff there. And I had just met him. I had played on something over there that Caitlin Rose was doing. And he said, there's this band in here and they have, barely have any money. But can you come in and do this uh, couple tracks? And I was I was still new in town, so I was like, sure. I was trying to get on whatever I could, so I I went and did it. And uh, I had no idea that they were going to blow up to what they are now. You know, just just one of those things. It's just one of those things. But it wasn't. It, it was a pretty. It was pretty low key in a way. You know, it it wasn't. Uh, oh my gosh, you're recording with Alabama Shakes. It was like. They could have been any any band that's going in there to cut. It turned out to be a pretty good credit. All right, now currently you're a member of a roots music and rock and roll band. I would say that you're a little bit of both roots and rock and roll. Sure. Would Would you agree with that? Sure. Yeah. And this band is called Los Colones. And can you tell me uh, more about that band? Uh, Los Colones is a band that uh, I've been in for almost four years with. Uh, Three of the other guys are all from, or four of them, they're all from Chicago and moved down here um, about four years ago. And the drummer, Aaron Mortensen, and the guitarist, Jay Rutherford, kind of, I think, stumbled upon this idea for what the music is. And, and I jammed with them shortly thereafter. In a very simple way, there's there's a lot of American influences in it, but it, it's a, there's a lot of improvisation that happens, influenced by say JJ Kale or Dire Straits or even like definitely 80s dead and it's a it's a constantly evolving sort of living breathing entity 
Is there a LosColones.com? There is. It's then there. It is loaded with content, Keith. Let me tell you. And you're touring all throughout summer 2014. We're going to be touring. Uh, we're playing a hangout fest. We just went up to New York. We're going to be backing up Caitlin Rose as her band um, this summer and well into the future, which we're really excited about. Okay, so you collect records, is that right? Yeah, it's a problem. Okay, and uh, is record collecting something you brought with you in your travels, or did it grow as you took roots in Nashville? Started buying records when I started hanging out with Billy Joe. My piano was originally a Muscle Shoals sound for six weeks because Mark Neal was going to start working in there, and he drove a box truck out, and he took my records for me, too. So I had to go down to Muscle Shoals to pick them up. Where do you like to buy records in Nashville? Uh, there's lots of great places. Um, you know, my buddies own The Groove, uh, John, Louie, and Andrew, and then Fond Object, Jeff and Jim, and Grimies, of course. Uh, there's great record stores in Nashville. Fine. Uh, this is the Soul Music Podcast, right. so I like to ask people, what R&B, soul, or jazz record are you into right now? I was at The Groove last week, and I picked up a live Brother Jack McDuff record from 1963. It was recorded... I can't remember the name of the club, but it's New Jersey. And it's just phenomenal. It is incredible. Uh, but it features a young George Benson on guitar way before the smooth jazz stuff. And it is incredible. It's just funky. It's funky. In fact, I'll probably go home and listen to it after this. All right, so let's talk about your involvement with Inglehood Records. Yeah. You play piano. Yeah. Um, everything we do that's right you're, i think you're a very vital part of it what have you taken away from your experience in the recordings we've done so far with inglehood records we did that tommy mcdonald record at joe pasapia's place uh and that was the first time i'd gotten to go to joe's studio which is really just beautiful and it's an excellent it, studio it's in you know it's got a great out of tune upright but the right kind of out of tune and it was great working with the musicians that were on that too with marty and joe and hags and um they're all such tasteful players you know and then bringing the horns in there and randy and everything it kind of for me being a younger guy it's kind of the whole reason i love living in nashville is that i get to work with people that have been doing this for so long and they're so willing to sort of teach and help out younger guys and, and and use their experience, you know, guys like, you know, Marty and, and Joe. and Tell me, uh, what, what was it like for you to work with and meet uh, Blue Lou Marini? Uh, it was awesome. He's, heavy, he's a heavy-duty guy. I saw a Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Tears record at the Groove that featured him on the inside cover sitting in the Russian bathhouse there in New York City, I'm assuming. He's an incredible musician, he has an incredible ear, and it was great to have his advice on what we were playing at the time. Having somebody with a set of ears like that in a recording situation, you can't, you know, you can't ask for anything more because he's got so much experience and he's so just so tasteful in everything he does. And then it's also hearing his stories. Are now uh, we we have an interview with Blue Lou coming up in the next few weeks. It's going to be available on the podcast. And uh, he told a great story about Buddy Rich that I think you enjoyed, and I'm going to try to get him to tell that story awesome. on the show yeah. as well. So yeah. look forward to that, everybody. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for being part of the Nashville Soul Music Podcast. 
It was really great to have Micah on the program. Look for something from him on Inglehood Records late in 2014. All right. Thank you, Keith. Thank you. You've been listening to Nashville Soul Music Podcast, and you can find it at nashvillesoulmusic.com, and you can also find it on iTunes. Thanks for listening. This is Micah Holscher, piano player for Inglehood Records, and I look forward to putting my trio record out on Inglehood Records later in fall 2014. The record will also be available on iTunes and at nashvillesoulmusic.com.